Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Joining today, she's a Team USA swimmer and Olympic medalist and founder of Kim Swim Studios. It's Kim Vandenberg. How are you doing today, Kim? I'm great, Alex. Thank you so much for having me today. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what you like doing growing up. I am from Northern California in a small town called Moraga, and I started swimming with my brothers um, in our backyard pool. So my earliest memories are in a pool surrounded by my friends, my family, and just making up games and racing. Um, I also like to play other sports besides swimming. I really liked soccer, and I tried basketball and baseball, but swimming for me was always my number one passion. Did it feel like you had your own resort having a pool in the backyard, just go out the back door and hop right in? Yeah, we we spent a lot of time in that pool, in the hot tub as well. And we had a tree. We used to always go climb. And then we had a trampoline. We were all very active. So we were either like jumping on the trampoline, climbing up the tree, like hiding from babysitters or swimming and making up games in the pool. So we were definitely outside a lot. When did you feel that competitive side with swimming? What age would you feel that came about? So when I was eight years old, that was when I had my first official race. So 25 yard freestyle. Um, my parents put us all in a, a summer summer league swim team. So that was when I was eight years old, but it was probably before that. Cause I would race my brother, John, my older brother and I was probably, I don't know, six or seven. So we loved, we loved to race and just chase each other. So I always kind of had that competitive energy from a very young age. A lot of times with swimmers, it's always what stroke are they doing? When you were growing up, what was that technique that you kind of liked doing or specialized in? Butterfly. So I always loved butterfly when I was really little, like most girls uh, at that age, I loved the little mermaid. <laughs> so I used to just pretend I was a little mermaid and I would do the dolphin kicking and mermaid kicks. And I think that actually translated to dolphin kicks and like butterfly kicks and my butterfly stroke. Um, so yeah, butterfly was always my very favorite. I just loved growing up doing the butterfly because it's like, how big of a splash can I go with the movement? And I mean, yeah. Backstroke, it's like, I'm going to go underneath because I can't do it. But yeah, I, I like the breaststroke because it's like, okay, how far can I go underneath yeah. where I need to pop back up? Yeah, breaststroke is really hard. I mean, I think all the strokes have um, an amazing part of it. But like the breaststroke for me was always my hardest, my most challenging stroke. I'd, I never understood how you could go super fast in breaststroke. So when I watch like... <laughs> sprint breaststrokers now I'm always like how do they do that (laughs) nowadays you just see their heads just pop it it's like um what is it the whack-a-mole thing it's just yeah yeah. popping up and down yeah what do you feel that it helped having your brothers be involved with swim teams and stuff that kind of helped you become a better swimmer over time Oh, definitely. I mean, I think my brothers, they ended up choosing football and my younger sister, um, she's five years younger. So she chose volleyball and track and field later on. Um, we all kind of gravitated to different sports, but from an early memory, from my early childhood, yeah, I loved racing my brothers going and we would all go to this summer league swim meet together. It was definitely a family affair. Who were your biggest motivators or biggest inspiration growing up for yourself? Speaking of my brothers, I mean, my brother, I wanted to beat him so bad. And so I think when I finally did beat him, 
it was so exciting for me. I mean, eventually now we look back on it and he, he laughs at it. He's like, well, at least you became an Olympian. So, (laughs) um, I think my brothers, but then at, during the summer league swim meets, I always just wanted to win. So when I would win my event, it was really exciting, but I just loved that competitive energy. And I really liked racing. Um, it was just, it was so much fun. It still is so much fun. As you're getting older, did you see this as becoming like a professional career, becoming a pro athlete? Or was there always that fun question, what's that dream job? Was there a different path that you wanted to go? Yeah, I never thought when I was really young, I think my mom found these little journal entries I had as a kid that, you know, talked about the Olympics. And I think I always had that dream, but I didn't really realize it was a reality. It could become a reality until much later. Um, until really like four years before I actually made the team was when I believed I could do it, but it was something that I always had dreamed of when I was younger. It was to be an Olympic swimmer. Who were those Olympians that were inspirations for you? Um, Natalie Coughlin. So Natalie, uh, we're, we're good friends and, um, we were on the 2008 team together and we were on the national team together and I got to train with her at Cal, um, later on in my career, but Natalie was always an inspiration. She still is. And then Amanda Beard, who was my Olympic roommate and funny story about Amanda. So Amanda Beard, you know, four-time Olympian, like legend in the sport. When I was really young, my aunt was at a swim event and Amanda was there and she was signing autographs. It was like right after the 1996 Olympic games when Amanda was like 14. And um, Amanda, my aunt asked Amanda to sign something for me. So Amanda wrote like, dear Kim, like, congratulations on your like summer league meet, whatever. Turns out that was 1996, you know, 12 years later in 2008, we were roommates at the Olympic games. Did she, did you kind of have to bring that item to show her? Did I didn't even remember it. My mom found it. (laughs) What a journey to go from getting an autograph to living with that person and experiencing a cool memory with that individual. Yeah. With you talked about professional athlete wasn't that main goal, but it was that opportunity that ended up happening for you when you were going to college or that next step, what was that path for you? Yeah, that was really challenging actually going from, so going from high school into UCLA, is that what you're? Yeah. Yeah. So freshman year was so challenging as it is for so many different athletes and non-athletes, you know, adjusting to life without your family and you're living on your own for the first time. Um, that on top of the schedule we had with training and competing, I was really, really overwhelmed. I almost, at one point I remember thinking like, there's no way I could do this for four years. Like I didn't think I was going to make it to the end of college, let alone like the Olympic games. So it was a big, um, challenge to get through freshman year, but I ultimately got through it with the help of my coaches and teammates, but it was definitely a struggle. What did you ever think about quitting at that point? Oh yeah. I mean, there's always those moments when, and usually when I look back on it, it's during the transitions, right? So Mm -hmm. like either a new coach or a new team or, um, for me, it was like, yep, moving to to LA and starting with UCLA, it was really hard. And so thankfully I was able to talk to my coaches about it and 
having those open conversations about your struggles with the coaches, um, that really helped me feel understood and seen. And I think my coach gave me like maybe a day off or an afternoon off. And I was able to just kind of relax and rest because I was just so tired from training. And that really gave me the perspective I needed to keep going. Looking back at that time and the schedule and the training, do you feel that there was a way that they could adjust it, that it would have been better so that you didn't have to go through those challenges right off the bat, especially freshman year where it's your first year and you're trying to enjoy that experience and get into the rhythm? Yeah, I I think that's a good question. But I also look back at the challenges as opportunities to grow. Yeah. And to become more resilient. So I think they're they're necessary, especially when you're trying to get to like an elite level, you need to have challenges to overcome. So you get that confidence like, oh, I thought I was going to quit. But instead of quitting, I didn't. I kept going. I moved through the the struggle and now I'm stronger because of it. So um, I think it is important to have those conversations with the coaches and have the support, right, with your team with the coaches with your teammates and also with your family and your friends like having that support system is crucial for anyone what were the competitive meets like at a college level what was like a memorable meet that you had the meets were fun they were fast you know so dual meets happened like we would have let's say it was like Stanford, UCLA, whatever, like you have the relays and then you have individual event individual event relay it was like basically a training set. It was like a really hard training day, right? Like you're swimming multiple events, you're doing relays, you're like warming up, warming down, going in between, you know, the competition pool and the warm down pool. Um, but the cheers were always really fun with the team, like doing, making up cheers with the UCLA girls and trying to beat that, beat the other team. It was, it was fun. I actually am very excited to go uh, watch a UCLA swim meet this this year. I think it's in a few weeks against Santa Barbara. What kind of events were you doing? You talked about butterfly was that stroke that was your specialty. But on a day like the meet, did you prefer relays? Did you prefer the individuals, the long distance versions, the shorter distance versions? I always really loved freestyle sprints. So when I was younger, in high school, I was more of a hundred freestyler. I did like 50 and hundred free. And then I eventually came into the 200 fly 200 free zone. But even at dual meets, I really like doing the hundred free or hundred fly. Um, I also like the relays and sometimes my coach would put me in freestyle. Sometimes she'd put me in as butterfly. So I could, I could do either of those. Um, occasionally I would do like a 200 IM, which I thought was a fun little mix up. Um, breaststroke always being a challenge for me because uh, I would like get out in the fly backstroke I could like, kind of hold hold on breaststroke I would like see everyone start to like come out of nowhere and they're like oh freestyle I would try to get back ahead so it was fun to race um, the 200 am as well but I think I just like everything in your rise to the challenge journey as a college athlete, with each year going on, what was the biggest thing you learned about yourself through your college experience with being a swimmer? So yeah, freshman year, I realizing that I could do it, right? So towards the end of the season when we would taper and we would get a little bit more rest, I realized how much stronger I was than mm-hmm. I was the year before. And so going into sophomore year, I had more confidence 
in my ability to go through that, the difficult training, you know, like Christmas training is always really hard. Like preseason is always really hard. There's always different parts of the season that are more challenging than taper time. Mm -hmm. So I kind of looked at the bigger picture, my sophomore and junior and senior year, and I knew what to expect. Um, My sophomore year, you know, going, was going into the Olympic year. So that was when I was getting ready for my second Olympic trials down in Long Beach. And I missed the team that year, but it was really that year, my sophomore year, where I realized how close I was to being an Olympian. Like, I think I got, I got like fifth place, I think at the Olympic trials. So I was only three spots away from making it. And I was like, what I was racing, you know, an American record holder, I was racing all these Olympians and if I could race these girls, maybe I could beat them one day, you know? So then that really clicked for me. And that was also the year I made my first world university games team. So it was my first international trip for team USA. So that kind of started, you know, getting me to the next level of swimming. And so it became much more dedicated and focused on my, um, outside of swimming training, like my mental side, like I started working with the sports um, psychologist. I started working with a nutritionist. I started like kind of taking up my training to another level. Um, and so I think each year I just gain more experience and more confidence. Starting out with representing Team USA at the World University Games, what was that feeling like representing a country at an international stage? It was so much fun. I got to, I became very close with the girls on the team. I'm still best friends with one of them today, um, Haley Pearsall. So Erin Pearsall's sister, Haley and I met that year in 2005. And then we were like always roommates. We were training together. We were wearing the Team USA outfit and wearing Team USA cap with your name on it. And I was able to race at the time, the world record holder and the 200 butterfly And it was just, it was, it felt very surreal. Like, I can't believe I'm, first of all, in Turkey, like we flew to Turkey. (laughs) So it was longest trip to get to Turkey and our flight was delayed in Germany. And um, so literally to be across the world competing for Team USA. And it was, it was a whole nother experience and something that I ended up doing for another decade after that year. Is there an event at or like a meet for Team USA that you're kind of like will always be a memory besides the Olympics. Is there a meet that you did that was like, you'll remember that moment? Because you kind of talked about how going to Turkey, doing that at an international stage, going to the Olympics is definitely a big moment. Is there another event that you got to represent Team USA at that is an all-time favorite for you? 100%. I loved competing in Australia at the world championships in 2007. So that was also a fun experience with Haley. We were roommates and she was racing a distance event. I was doing tuner fly and I got a silver medal against Jessica Shipper, who was the world record holder at the time. And it was Australia, Australians love swimming, right? So being in a country that, and it was, um, one of my best time, it was my best time actually ever in the 200 fly. So I went at 206.71 and it was, I dropped like a second and a half and I almost beat the world record holder. It was really, really probably more memorable or close to as memorable as the Olympics for me. Let's talk about getting to the Olympics. Talk about that lead up aspect, the trials and all that. What was that experience like? 
So the experience of training for me, like I went to the Olympics in 2008, so or 2012 and 2016. So um, 2008, when I made the team, I was able to train with Michael Phelps and mm. Bob Bowman and their whole team. And I would train with them occasionally for training trips, usually at altitude. So we would go to the Olympic Training Center. Uh, one time we went down to outside of Mexico City and we trained at altitude down there. And that was when we would sometimes do like three days or three um, workouts a day in the pool. So we would do like morning, mid-afternoon, late afternoon practice and um, like five, six hours of swimming plus weights plus, you know, video analysis, massages, team meetings. It was pretty full on. It was nonstop. It was physically, mentally super challenging. It was also men and women in the world. Um, so it was a, definitely an experience that I'll never forget. Talk about now getting that opportunity. You are going to the Olympics. What is the feeling like getting off the plane, going there? And what was that experience like? Well, before we went to the Olympics, we had our training trip in Singapore. And I think we flew out there maybe two weeks before. So I think we flew out to Singapore before that. And we did our training trip as a team to get ready for Beijing. So it was really fun to fly with Team USA and we were able, I think we flew Singapore Airlines, which is beautiful airline. And we had a bunch of fun on the plane and we were watching movies, like training, resting. Um, and then we were with Phelps, who was like the biggest and is the biggest, one of the biggest athletes. So the media was crazy. Everyone was like trying to take photos of him. So we had... It was, it was interesting going through the airport with like Michael Phelps, right. And having all these people taking photos and, um, the pollution was kind of bad at the time. And it was really hot in China. It was my first time to China. So it was kind of a culture shock. Um, I would say the experience was quite overwhelming to be, to be honest. Why would you say it's overwhelming for you? Um, I think it was overwhelming for all the things I just said. You know, you're in a new country. It's like the highest. Um, so you're dealing with a lot of nerves, a lot of emotions. Plus there's, you know, you're outside of your comfort zone. And there's so, like going into the Olympic Village is like at an airport. Like you have so much security mm-hmm. as you should but like you're going in and out of security lines, you're taking buses. Basically, it was also a little bit overwhelming. Like you have to make sure you always have your pass with you and make sure like you have everything you need and you know where you're going and you know like what. The, so there was just a lot going on. And then on top of that, you have to make sure you're going to get your job done competing. Was it always nerves getting to you before the date of the race happening or the time that you needed to perform and be at the swimming pool? And then when you got to the day of, it was like, I'm ready to do this. This is where I've been working so hard for. I'm just ready to make my dream happen. I mean, a lot of athletes look forward to that moment and it happens so quick. Yeah, it does happen really quickly. I think... Um, yeah, when you're like resting in like, I, for me, it was really the Olympic trials 
is almost more intense too because the U.S. is so deep with talent. So mm-hmm. to even try to get on the team is incredibly stressful. So like you have the prelims, the semifinals, the finals. So for me, this memory of before the final, like being so nervous because I'm not doing anything. I'm just like waiting to go to the pool, right? So you're just kind of like sitting there and I was so nervous that I called a friend and I was telling my friend how nervous I was. But once you get to the pool, then you warm up, then you stretch, then you put your suit on. Yeah, then you know like what you're doing. You kind of go into, um, you know, autopilot. Like this is what your steps are. This is how, what the strategy is. But when you're like waiting for that moment, like right before, like the day of, um, sometimes the night before it's, it's fun. Like you have the butterflies, you're nervous, but sometimes it could be like super uncomfortable because you're, you know, you're kind of like restless. Like you can't wait for it to happen. As I mentioned in the intro for this interview, Olympic medalists, talk about that moment and living out that moment and being awarded with that medal. So I think it's important when you're at the Olympics and you're not in the final. So I was a preliminary swimmer. So they have a whole different relay team for the prelims. And then in finals, they have a different team. Um, some people go on onto both. I was just prelims. So I unfortunately did not get to be on the medal stand, but I did watch them go on the medal stand knowing that I swam in the prelims to help them get the medal. And I also got the medal. So it was a very... Uh, unique experience to be getting a medal but not be on the stand because I've had medals from international competitions and I've been on the podium. So um, it was still rewarding, obviously, to have the medal. It's amazing that I was able to be part of that experience, but it was different than, you know, let, let's say world championships or yeah. um, world university games, Pan, Pan Pacific, Pan um, Pan Pacific, Pan American championships. Do you did you ever have that moment of thinking about the next Olympic Games and be, wanting to be in that finals or wanting to be on that podium and be, say I swam the finals for that or were you ready for that next chapter and going in a different direction? Um, right after the Beijing Games, I was definitely focused on twenty twelve. I kept swimming. I moved to Europe. I trained in Europe. I came back. And then in 2012, I got third place at the Olympic trials and missed the team by one spot. So I became the first alternate. So it was definitely a very disappointing experience to get third place and miss the team and not podium. Um, And it was a dream I had for a very long time. But then in reflection, I'm very proud that I have an Olympic medal and, and multiple medals for my international experience, but it was something that was really challenging to not be a part of what is having a podium in an individual event. Looking at your journey with the Olympics and going through those trials, going through the Olympic games, what did it teach you about yourself? That's a loaded question. There's so <laughs> many things it taught me. It's been an incredible life experience it's been my entire life pretty much is is going to five olympic trials and failing and failing and winning and failing and failing i i joke that i failed my way to success and i think that it's really important to fail because you learn so much about 
your character. So yeah. I, I say that I learned more about myself from failing than I ever did about winning. And I learned that I was able to change my perspective of what failure is. So yeah, I thought I failed when I made the, when I missed the team by one spot, I got third place, but then in retrospect, I got third at the Olympic trials in the U S. So I was third in the U S which is amazing. And I was like top whatever in the world, top 25, top 30 in the world at the time. So coming from like at one point being second in the world or third in the world, I, I thought, oh, I'm such a failure. I'm almost, I'm only whatever in the world now. And when I'm older, I, now I'm older, I look back, I'm like, that was incredible. But I could even be at that level in my life and to have the opportunity to try to be at that level and to have the support from my family and my coaches and my team and to have so much support to be able to try five times is a pretty incredible experience. And so I, I look at it with gratitude now, all my failures. Um, so it taught me that I'm very resilient um, very and very blessed. I love that you mentioned about the aspect of failing, because I think a lot of people learn so much about themselves when they're battling or they're getting challenged because they see can they overcome those challenges? How do they get back up and not let it knock them to the ground? And yeah. where you see people that are given everything, they've never had those challenge. And when they get hit with a challenge, they don't even know how to react to it. Mm -hmm. So I love that you mentioned that because a lot of people nowadays, they're getting hit with something. And mm -hmm. that is the true test on what do they do next? How do they get back up, still get standing and go accomplish what they need to go accomplish? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's essential for growth. What did you feel was next for you after your swimming career? Did you have a game plan or were you just going to enjoy seeing what was out there for you? So after the 2012 Olympic trials and I missed the team, I moved from California to New York. And so I was still swimming, but I was also exploring the next step. So I started interning at a photography studio. I started interning with a magazine. I started writing. So I was doing both. I was juggling training, going to the pool, going to the office, and then randomly going to like Europe to do a swim race <laughs> or a swim clinic, or I was still traveling internationally competing. Um, so I really liked how I transitioned. Like I was able to still do what I loved, but not full time. Like I wasn't swimming six hours a day. I'd swim maybe two, you know, maybe one th some days I do like a yoga session and a swimming session. And then I'd go to the office or I'd go home or go to the, you know, I'd go write and do my work. And then I'd go back to the pool or whatever I needed to do. So, um, that for me was a lot healthier than just dropping the sport and forgetting about it. You know, I've always swam. I've never stopped. Like I still train. I, I went to master's nationals earlier this year, which was hilarious. You know, I was swimming like the hundred fly and I didn't really, I didn't think I was going to finish. <laughs> the fly. Like how did I used to do a 200 fly? So um, it's it, the sport is something that I've always loved, you know, and it's something that I will continue to do my whole life if I can physically. Did your career with swimming ever take a big hit with your personal journey and kind of wanting to kind of live that personal life that you always wanted? Yeah. So in 2009 or 2008 and 2009, after the Olympics, I moved to Europe to swim. And that's when I left, you know, my comfort zone, right? I left my team. I left my family. I was like pretty 
adventurous to go and explore this new um, training experience with a whole group of international swimmers and um, a whole new diet. You know, I was eating so much pasta and meat (laughs) and it was like so many croissants Um, and coming from like LA, which was so organic and healthy. I had a nutritionist. I had like, everything was so accessible. And then living in a small town in Italy with like one store open, right. It was harder to eat healthy. And, um, that was a challenge was trying to explore and travel and also be healthy and swim fast. I didn't really swim that fast 2009. I didn't make, I didn't make the world team, um, which was really disappointing. It was an off year for me. I, I got back on the national team in 2010 and went to short course course worlds in Dubai. So, I bounced back from that, but yeah, 2009, I was, um, like ripping my bathing suits. Like I'd be putting on my racing suits and like, it would rip and I'd like have to get a new one and go race. And I was like, why is nothing working? So 2009, big challenge, big setback. But then I got back on the national, uh, the national scene, international scene in 2010. With the creation of your studio, how did that come about? Kim Swim Studios. Well, I was always teaching swimming in some aspect, either doing private lessons or doing um, like big clinic events. And so in New York, um, a bunch of my clients, the parents really, really wanted me to set up my own studio and I had a lot of interest. So I was very thankful that I found a pool that I could rent and then I could start doing my private swim lessons, group trainings and athlete mentoring services. So it came about in um, New York in like 2018. What's been the best part about the studio and working with the future of swimmers? It's been really fun to see the little kids like take their first strokes and like get water safe and and find that confidence in their ability. Um, This one little girl did like her first stroke in New York and she popped up. She goes, it works. (laughs) It just made me laugh. I was like, I told you like you could do it. So, so teaching these kids, life skills, right. Being water safe, but also like watching them, um, get confident each week and, and overcome things they didn't think they could do. And, you know, I've had a lot of little kids say, I can't do that. I can't do that. And then they'll do it. Um, it's really rewarding work and it's really fun to, to help younger kids. And then also when I mentor athletes, um, so I do like video calls or phone calls with athletes and I help them overcome, any setbacks they're having mentally with their training or any nerves they're having with their race and to kind of talk them through that. It's really rewarding to help, um, to help them with their journey. A lot of days there's so many coaches out there, but do you feel that a lot of people come to you because you've been through the experiences, you've had those setbacks, you've had those accomplishments, and they want to learn from someone that has experienced it all and knows how to battle through it? Yes, definitely. I've had some parents reach out to me, some parents that I've, you know, taught their, their children how to swim, but then, you know, later on, they'll ask me to talk to, you know, another one of their children who's getting more competitive with certain sports and they don't know how to help them. And, and I'll be, I'll step in and, and use my life experience to help them through it. So I think it's, it's definitely a unique experience because I, you know, I coach people and I've also lived it. So I've had incredible coaches help me. And now I'm kind of trying to play it forward and help the next generation. With the coaching, do you see yourself ever expanding going outside of the U.S. or how does that 
kind of goal impact look like for you or what have you been doing from that standpoint? Yeah, I've definitely traveled internationally to teach. You know, I've been in Europe, I've been in Asia, I've I've uh, done some clinics in Australia, in Brazil. I've traveled the world teaching. Um, it's been so much fun to be able to expand globally and to be an ambassador of the sport, you know, to be teaching my Olympic journey, teaching swim skills and life lessons through the sport. Um, it's, yeah, I used to travel a lot doing just that. So that was fun. And I, I can't wait to go back to that. And um, one day, I'm not sure when that will be, but it's always fun to experience new cultures and to learn from other people. With being an athlete, being a swimmer, having that identity of a swimmer, is it more of a positive identity where you are enjoying it because it gave you who you are today? You are experiencing with your coaching, your mentorship, that it's not a negative identity for you. Like you're not just known as the swimmer. There's more that you're able to offer to people. Yeah, I think that's a really important topic to explore is what is identity. I don't view myself as just an Olympic swimmer, right? I'm not Kim the swimmer. I'm also a mother and a daughter and a girlfriend and a friend. And um, I love creative arts. I love photography. I love painting. There's so many things that I love. I think it's important for other athletes to also realize that, that they're multifaceted. They have other passions outside of what they do. But sometimes it, it did feel a little bit challenging to be identified as only the swimmer. Um, and so I think that when I got to New York, it was very exciting for me because most people in New York are not professional athletes and they didn't understand the swimming world. They're like, what do you mean you got third? Like, what, isn't that good? They're like, what? I was like, no, I like missed the team. They're like, all right, let's go to the art gallery. You know, like it was just really refreshing to be around people who didn't, who weren't in the swimming bubble um, and to really expand my world and my interests and to meet people outside of the sport. So I think getting that perspective was really helpful. I don't know if I answered the question. I kind of went off on it. No, you did. Cause I think it's so important that people have multiple identities. There's more to them just than that singular topic where they're yeah. viewing you more as a mother a friend, the author, the photographer, the coach, the swimmer. And I think that's so important so that you feel that you can go out and do anything. You just don't have to stay in one bubble the whole entire yeah. time. So no, yeah. you did answer it perfectly because okay. people are going to learn that if you have a passion in other areas, like you had a passion for photography and writing, yeah. you went out and did that. You didn't yeah. you told you you couldn't do it. You still yeah. went and tried. I think it's funny too. Like I have this memory of being in New York as an intern when I was like 28. Right. So other interns are like 20 or like 19. <laughs> I'm like coming in from my international experience as an athlete and like cleaning up photography studios and like do, you know, running coffee errands and like just being like bottom, like the total beginning. And it was, you know, humbling to say the least. I don't know if I, with New York, I mean, that is like the Mecca with all the opportunity, with all the internship opportunities. Is there, did you kind of have, it's kind of a fun question. Did you kind of wish one of those internships maybe led to somewhere like exciting or in a path possibly? It, it did lead to somewhere exciting. I was able to get into photography, like photo shoots. The photographer I interned for ended up putting me in photo shoots underwater. So we did a lot of really cool pro underwater projects together. Um, and then down the hall, I met this 
magazine and I started working with them and I was one of their media assistants. And that's how I started getting into writing. And then through my writing experience, I started writing for a women's sports um, media company. So it did lead somewhere. The path was, um, it was interesting for sure. And it was really, it was really eye-opening. That's awesome. What has motherhood been for you? What has that impact been like? It's been the best experience of my life. I mean, I love being a mother so much. I mean, it's just so rewarding. We have the most beautiful daughter. She's hilarious. She <laughs> loves the water. Um, it's been, yeah, it's so hard to just describe motherhood in like one sentence. I would say the best thing about it is um, watching her explore the world and watching her like be in the water and she just loves it and to to see her trying to walk and she's super active. So um, it'll be fun to see her like one day compete if she wants to, you know, <laughs> we're going to support her, but it'll be fun to see and, and hopefully she'll like swimming. Um, but yeah, it's been a blessing and, you know, I'm very blessed to have my boyfriend and my daughter. I was going to ask um, if she was going to be a swimmer growing up and you kind of mentioned she enjoys just being in the water, which that's perfect. We've dunked her under the water and she never cries. She hasn't cried. <laughs> so we're surprised. We're like, well, that's a good sign. Like she likes kicking around and um, she's just really lights up in the pool. So um We'll see. I think there's some potential, but we're not going to put pressure on her. You talked about you enjoy writing and you play a big part with writing stories and getting involved. You talked about prior to this about a book that you are featured in. Talk about a little about how that opportunity came about and what's the big mission or message you're hoping that when someone reads your section, what do they learn from it? So I'm an ambassador for Room to Read, which is a program that helps girls literacy. And through my ambassadorship, I had the opportunity to write a little passage in a book called Rebel Girls. So I brought it right here. It's by Rebel Girls. It's called Dear Rebel. And they asked over 100 women to share secrets to taking on the world. So this is the book. And I have a page in here. I'll find it. And I wrote, I wrote um, to my daughter. So I wrote dear Sadie and I wrote my life lessons to her. And so you, you could pre-order it until I think October 2nd and then you could order it. And then it comes out on October 3rd. Um, but Allison Felix is in it. There's some incredible women in the book and it's really empowering for younger girls and it, um, and also for older girls and, and people all over the world. So it's been really fun for me to reflect on my career and my life lessons that I've learned. And I'd like to expand on my writing. Um, and this was a really beautiful opportunity. So if it's in my link in my bio on Instagram, Kim Swim. And I also have my Kim Swim Studios Instagram. So if you're listening, you could follow, you could click the link and you could purchase your Dear Rebels book. You talked about expanding. What does the future look like with writing? Are you hoping to write your own story, maybe fiction, nonfiction, biography? What were you wanting to do with that? I'd like to write a book at some point in my life. Um, right now, I'm finishing up my master's degree in psychology at Pepperdine um, on top of motherhood and teaching swimming and mentoring athletes. Um, so it's a full schedule, but I think it'd be really fun to write my own book one day about my experiences through or through sport, you know, specifically overcoming failure, like we talked about today. Um, 
and really getting through the, the hard times in order to succeed. When you're not working, what do you like to do for fun? Well, my boyfriend and I think swimming's fun. So I know, I know like, we, we like to go swim together. I really love going to yoga with him. We like hiking. We're very active. We have a little dog and we like to go to the beach. Um, we like to eat. <laughs> we like to eat good food. And um, we've, we've, we've taken some road trips in California with our daughter and with our dog and um, that's been really fun as well. So a little bit of road tripping and traveling and um, just spending quality time as a family has been a really big blessing. You talked earlier about challenging your brother with swimming. Do you challenge your boyfriend with swimming? Like any yeah. you can brace, you got, you're showing like, I'm going to beat you in this. <laughs> yeah. Even the other day where I was like, what was your time in the 50? And he like, wouldn't tell me. And so I asked, cause we swim with the team. I asked the coach, what was Greg's time in the 50? <laughs> so I think hope, I mean, he knows I'm competitive, obviously. I, you know, but I think we have a lot of fun, um, swimming together and just, you know, he's a triathlete, so he's getting ready for all these big meets or not meets competitions. I, I say meets cause my life was meets yeah. and it's fun to be his support system. You know, the roles are different now that I'm not at the Olympic game. So, um, it's fun to see his competitive energy as well. So we really bond on that. The final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge? Stay in your own lane. I I like using that um, advice. Like don't worry about what other people are are doing. You have no control of that. You know, focus on what you can control. What you're going to focus on is that, is that your resting? Is that making sure you're eating healthy? Is that making sure you're um, getting the support that you need? You know, like we talked a lot about communicating with your coaches or communicating with your support staff. So I think it's important to stay in your own lane and focus on what you can control. um, And that's going to help you succeed in whatever it is that you're trying to succeed in. Kim, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people, and we are excited to see what the future looks like for you. Thank you so much for having me, Alex. Tune in next time. Hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow, subscribe on all major audio platforms, and make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel through the full-length episode and video format. What path do you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.